I am Helen Hackett and I'm a professor of English at UCL. Uh, I specialise in the Renaissance period and Shakespeare and women's writing and I'm co-director of the UCL Centre for Early Modern Exchanges which I set up with my colleague Alexander Sampson. Well my name as Helen has just said is Alexander Sampson and I'm a lecturer in the Spanish and Latin American Studies department here at UCL. We're here in the UCL Art Museum in the centre of UCL, which is a traditional print room, and we're very fortunate that we're using it at the moment for an exhibition by the UCL Centre for Early Modern Exchanges. The exhibition is called Word and Image because, of course, in the early modern period, uh, words were enormously important. You have the print revolution, um, you have the first translations of the Bible into vernacular languages and their dissemination and spread. Along with that, of course came cheap print, images being widely circulated amongst people, and of course their use in books. So you have the, the, the contrast between text and image in one product. The other reason why the interaction between word and image is very important in this period is because of the Reformation, which calls images into question. Are images idolatrous? Do they corrupt us? Do they take us away from true contact with God? And the word becomes privileged far more in the Protestant faith. The Bible, scripture, and all kinds of texts become very important as a means of disseminating the faith. And yet, paradoxically, images, visual images, still remain very important. So the Jura images, which actually predate the Reformation by a short time, his image, for example, of the Whore of Babylon, becomes adopted by Lutherans as an icon of the evil Church of Rome. Early modern is a term very much favoured by historians and basically means what falls between the medieval and the modern. Um, a term a lot of people will be familiar with is Renaissance. Um, Renaissance has become a very debated term because it's rather value-laden. It suggests that there was a need for some kind of rebirth of classical learning and classical arts after a sort of dark age in the Middle Ages. And I think now there's a, there's a desire to get away from that kind of value judgment and therefore people tend to prefer this idea of the medieval, then the early modern, then the modern. The discovery of the new world by Columbus in 1492, or the encounter with the Americas, began a series of very, very important exchanges. It expanded the mental horizons of people living in early modern Europe enormously and forced them in, in, in some ways not just to confront a, a set of peoples who were radically different from themselves, but it also forced them to, to reflect upon who they were in an attempt to understand them. So exchange is also about um, travel, the discovery of the kind of four corners of the globe. In addition to that, I think also there's the exchange between the ancient pasts and their sense of themselves living in that period, um, the rediscovery of classical learning, new philological techniques, new techniques for exploring and understanding the kind of great works of uh, the Roman and Greek empires. One of the kind of exchanges that's going on in the 16th century is the exchange of information itself, a huge, massive increase in the volume and circulation of information happens as a result of the print revolution. Um, you know, some, there are some estimates that by 1600, more than 10 million books have been printed, which is an extraordinary figure in terms of how quickly, how much information had spread across Western Europe. When, when books were first printed, um, um, you know, in the 15th century, they tended to use this horrible Gothic typeface, which was almost illegible, because they were essentially imitating, you know, uh, monastic scribal hands. 
And of course, one of the other kind of aspects, ways in which word and image interact, is of course through typefaces. The actual way in which letters themselves were represented and drawn. Um, so one of the things you have in this period is a kind of huge upsurge of words or the typefaces which are kind of artistic. They are images in and of themselves. The very letters with which the books are printed are works of art. And in the exhibition you can see um, some of the ways in which that interaction between kind of artistic, uh, the artistic impulses of the, of the age and printing um, take place with um, book illustrations and maps. We tend to think of maps as three-dimensional accurate depictions of spatial relationships, whereas maps in this period have a lot to do with staking political claims. Mm -hmm. If you can actually visually represent um, a new territory, a new continent, um, a new world, then to some extent you are laying a political claim to mm -hmm. it. And it was through the arguments about maps that people in this period um, claimed, conquered, colonised um, other parts of the world. So what have you turned it to? What, I, what I've done, um, this is the essay of the cannibals. This one in Montaigne's essays is particularly interesting because what he talks about is how um, he saw a party of um, South Americans, South American natives, who came to Europe and who were reputed to be cannibals. But then he speculates that perhaps their society is more civilised than ours, and he compares it to the Golden Age, as described by Ovid. Um, Ovid, in um, The Metamorphoses, talks about a Golden Age where there's no law, no trade, no imprisonment, no corruption. Um, it's a kind of state of innocence. And Montaigne says, you know, these people that we think of as savages, although we think of them as uncivilised, in fact, their lack of civilization makes them more innocent and perhaps purer and more noble than us. And so it's a rather interesting example of someone in the 16th century already thinking in what we think of as rather modern ways about comparisons between cultures and about relativity of values and looking at things from a different angle. And so it's a very important, groundbreaking essay. So we have a section of the exhibition which is all about natural history, which is, of course, a very important field where we see interaction between cultures in this period. We see travellers going out, observing different kinds of animals and plants. But what we also have, it's also a place where reality and imagination meet. And we have a lovely drawing here of a lion, but I'm not very sure that the artist had really seen one. And um, just to describe it, he has a particularly endearing Slightly dopey face, really, with a lovely, slightly elongated nose and a shaggy um, mane. And I have to be absolutely frank with you, when I look at this lion, I think of my cat at home. Uh, he's a rather cuddly lion, and he seems rather domesticated, and I rather suspect that the artist was thinking at least as much of a cat or cats he knew as he was of an actual lion. When we think of the visual culture of the early modern period, we tend to think of the paintings that we might go and visit in art galleries, these big oil paintings. But actually, for most people living at the time, what they would have seen would have been the popular prints that we have on the walls in this exhibition. So whilst Protestants may have had problems with the idolatrous nature of images, in fact, images were a critical uh, weapon and tool to spread the word of God amongst the kind of mostly illiterate population living in the period. <laughs> <laughs>